Good morning, Graceway. Today is Monday, October the twenty-first, and this is Tohi and Enoch from the Morning Bible Study Teaching Team. We've now reached the halfway point of the Gospel, and I hope that your excitement is still as keen as it was in the beginning. Today we'll be reading chapter nine, verses fourteen to twenty-nine. After Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, he is confronted by a commotion over his disciples' failure to cast out a demon. If you want to follow along, we'll be reading from the NRSV. I'll be reading the narration and Jesus's dialogue, and I'll be playing everyone else. Let's begin. Mark chapter nine verses fourteen to twenty-nine. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe. They ran forward to greet him. He asked them, "What are you arguing about with them?" Someone from the crowd answered him, "Teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak, and whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down." And he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. He answered them, "Faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me." And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at his mouth. Jesus asked the father, "How long has this been happening to him?" And he said, "From childhood, it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us." Jesus said to him, "If you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes." Immediately, the father of the child cried out. I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, "You spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again." And crying out and convulsing terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, "He is dead." But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he was able to stand. When Jesus had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, "Why could we not cast it out?" He said to them, "This kind can come out only through prayer." Wow, what the heck is going on here? I don't know if you've struggled with this text as much as I have. Yeah, this one's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things going on, details that you don't get in other passages. Yeah, I think the parallels in Matthew 17 and Luke 9 are much, much shorter. Yeah, I mean, they don't tell us about the crowd that comes because they're in awe of Jesus. They don't tell us that the boy can't speak. They don't have the back and forth between Jesus and the boy's father.、Um, the father doesn't say, "I believe, help my unbelief." They don't mention that the boy looks so lifeless that people thought he was dead, and Jesus gives a different answer to the disciples' question about their failure. 
I mean, yeah, like, Luke doesn't even have the disciples asking at all. And in Matthew, instead of saying that prayer is required, Jesus tells them that they had little faith. And then he has that famous example of having faith like a mustard seed and being able to tell a mountain to throw itself into the sea. Yeah, I mean, it seems to beg the question, what is the significance of all these details? What is Mark driving at? So I know when I get to a place like this, one thing I like to ask myself is whether or not there are any similarities to any other stories in the Bible. And for this one, the first story that comes to mind is the story of Elisha and the Shunammite woman from 2 Kings 4. You know that story, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, for those of us who aren't as familiar with First and 2 Kings, um, most of those central portions of those books are dedicated to stories of the prophet of Elijah and Elisha. And they're often just explicitly parallel. In fact, I think that they're actually just completely parallel, showing that Elisha really was Elijah's successor. So in 1 Kings 17, Elijah's staying with a widow, there's this famine, and to make a long story short, the widow's boy dies. And when the widow comes to Elijah, he prays to God, lies on the boy, and God answers his prayer and raises the boy from the dead. So in 2 Kings 4, there's a similar story, right? So there's a Shunammite woman this time, with whom Elisha is staying, and she has a son who also suddenly dies. And when she comes to Elisha, Elisha first sends his servant Gehazi to lay his staff on the boy. But that doesn't work. So then when Elisha comes, the first thing he does is he prays. And like Elijah, he stretches himself out on the boy. God answers his prayer and the boy is raised from the dead. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not exactly a one-to-one parallel, but um, it does illuminate the passage for us. Uh, We've got a son And in the Elisha story, we even have a servant that unsuccessfully takes a whack at healing the kid first, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But most significant is the prominent place of prayer. Well, in the Mark story, Jesus doesn't actually pray, but he's explicit about how important it is. Um, And I guess the most glaring difference is that in the Elijah and Elisha version is a resurrection story. But in Mark, it's a case of demon possession. But Mark certainly seems to go out of his way to emphasize how it seemed to everyone that the boy had died. I mean, it says that the boy was like a corpse and that most were saying that he was dead. Yeah, it almost seems like Mark is adapting some version of this story for the purposes of his gospel. I mean, you have these parts and then we have these themes about Jesus' confrontation with demons Uh, confrontations with the scribes and Pharisees, and then just his outright frustration with the unbelief of even his closest disciples. Yeah. I mean, I think if there's anything that seems like it's at the center of this passage, it's the theme of faith and unbelief. Jesus complains about the generation being faithless. Jesus gives that famous line about all things being possible for the one who believes, to which the boy's father cries out, Um, equally famous line, I believe, help my unbelief. It seems that the heart of this passage is this very confession. Yeah, it's interesting that in the first two stories that Mark gives us about Jesus casting out demons, you know, it's the demons who are making the confession. They're hailing Jesus as the Holy One of God, and, you know, Jesus has to keep them quiet. 
But in the next two stories, we have the Syrophoenician and this boy's father coming and declaring their faith on behalf of their child. I mean, in this one, um, the child can't even declare it because he's he's deaf, uh, dumb. Yeah. So I don't think it's accidental that this demon makes a child unable to speak. Just as Jesus' healing of the blind and of the deaf man is symbolic of his restoration of spiritual eyes and ears to see and hear, I think here... The restoration of speech seems to be symbolic for the restoration of spiritual speech, the ability to confess faith in Jesus. Wow. I mean, it really is quite an amazing confession that the Father makes, right? right? Yeah. I mean, it really does take faith to confess that one does not believe. I mean, it lines up pretty well with Mark's attempt to remind us of how crazy the gospel really is, right? It's almost like realizing how impossible the faith is. You know, how impossible faith is, is actually one of the foremost signs that one really does have faith. Yeah. You know, only when you feel like you don't get it, you know, that's when you're beginning to get it. Yeah, right. And I think it's important that this comes right after Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ and the transfiguration. Um, Mark's starting to make the pivot from trying to establish Jesus's identity to trying to highlight how hard it is to really accept what that identity really means. I mean, every time he tries to tell his disciples that he's going to die and rise again, they just don't get it. I mean, in this story, it almost seems like the father and his son are standing in for Jesus and the disciples. Jesus is going to have to die and rise again, and the disciples are having a real hard time accepting that. But at the end, the father does believe. Yes, yes, he does. In a way, um, I just think that's as much a miracle as the casting out of the demon. Hmm. So, what does this mean for us? I don't know. Uh, You mean, I know, help my lack of knowledge? (laughs) Yeah. mm, I I mean, in the end, what is due to Jesus is um, my confession of faith, right? Um, but Mm. it can be such a struggle for the father. He comes because he's desperate, but he's really quite unsure if it's really going to work out. You know, he says to Jesus, if you can, it's only after Jesus assures him that it is that he gets a place where the cry for help really falls out of him. You know what I mean? Yeah, it really does seem like it's often only when we get to the end of our ropes that we really get to a place where we can start to believe. Yeah. I mean, I think this is what prayer is. When Jesus tells his disciples that this kind comes only out by prayer, I'm not so sure that he's saying that the disciples should have prayed more or oh. something like that. Hmm. It seems to me that he's saying that there needed to be a genuine cry to God. It's the Father's prayer he's talking about. Oh, so like Elijah and Elisha, there was a prayer. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, it's like for the disciples and the scribes, it's an issue of signs, like a testing of Jesus' power, but Jesus is looking for faith. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the question is, what's our prayer life like? Are we really crying out at the center of our prayer Are we confessing our faith? Hmm. 
We love being with you today. We look forward to being with you on Wednesday. Till we meet again, this is Dohi. And Enoch. Signing out.